Hello, welcome back. It's Your Real Source, the podcast about real estate. And I'm Dave Dries, the CEO at My Real Source. And today we've got a very special interview with two of our newest board of directors. And this is your chance to see behind the curtain on what happens at the board of directors meetings. So b- before we get into that, we always like to start out with looking at the pandemic curve, which is a special graph that we do that looks at a weekly basis, not a monthly basis, a weekly basis on what's happening with new listings, new pendings, and new closed in the previous week. And if you go to our site, our podcast website, which is yourrealsource.info, you'll see the graphs are available there. And the most recent graph shows that the new listings are still lagging a little bit behind last year. So inventory is still a problem. But the new pendings are still hanging in there for, we see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve weeks. We've been above the new pendings for the previous year. We're really doing well with the pendings. Closed, they're also above last year. So the story is remaining the same. New listings are a little bit below. Pendings and closings are above. And inventory is still a problem. Okay, we're going to get uh, our guest uh, on. It's going to be Hank Mendez and Ed St. Aubin. Both of them are uh, broker owners. We'll get them on the line in just a minute. Okay, Ed and Hank, are you on the line? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, hey, great. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on our podcast. This is uh, awesome. We're The reason we're doing an interview with you guys is you're our newest shareholder board of directors. You guys both became board of directors last year. And my real sources had over 99 years. We're almost to our 100th year in existence and always had uh, broker owners on our board of directors. But we wanted to give people a peek at what it's like to be on the board of directors. And we wanted to know what your take is on uh, that. But let me give our listeners, before we get started in that, what's unique about my real source is that we're a broker-owned MLS where the broker owners are the shareholders and they elect other broker-owner shareholders to sit on our board of directors. And they serve for a three-year term, and every year we elect three new ones in different categories. And the categories are upper, middle, and lower based on the number of sold listings in the previous year and that way we always have equal representation from different size brokerages. And that has worked well for 99 years. Now what I'd like to do is get into a, a little introduction for both Hank and Ed. Hank, why don't you start and tell us uh, what category you represent and what's the story, how long you've been in the business and you know things like that. All right, thanks, Dave. Hey, um, my name is Hank Mendez. I'm the broker owner of Weicker Realtors Excel. Been in the business for about 28 years. Don't really seems like it's been that long, but 
it has. That's all. But I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Other than it's been a long time. And you're representing the uh, middle category. The middle, yep. correct. So you're representing the brokers in that category. And then, Ed, and then Ed, why don't you give us uh, the scoop on uh, you? Well, I started my career uh, in real estate in 1980 and became an associate broker, I think, in 1985. And I worked for 19 years at Century 21 Town and Country before opening up my own brokerage in Sterling Heights in 2003. And I have six agents licensed with me currently. I live in Clarkston, Michigan. And there's probably a whole lot of pain and heartache in between all that. But and you it's a very, very, very uh, wonderful uh, profession for me. And you represent the lower category. I, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that you started in 1980. I did as well. So yes. we started mm-hmm. at exactly the same time. Yeah, so we made it. And then we're still here. Yeah. All right, so let's start out with how did you guys get to uh, run? How did you decide to run? Did somebody have to twist your arm behind your back? You know, so, Ed, let's start with you. What what, what was that like? I've been approached uh, several times in the 40 years I've been doing this for, you know, to sit on the board of directors, but I felt I would never have the time to give it my full attention. So I determined I might have something to offer at this stage of my career and, and several thousand transactions later that might benefit the entire membership. So I, I think it's important to have people on the board of directors that are actually on the street doing business day in, day out in the real world. So you sell, you list and sell all the time, uh, uh, every day of the week. Yes. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, Hank, hopefully every day. Yeah, every day, every day. Uh, Hank, how about you? Did people have to twist your arm to run for the board of directors? Oh yeah, <laughs> I've been approached years and for years now. And then, uh, you know, I like Edwin. I thought that you know, well, I don't have the time to do this, and and uh, really can't commit to it. And then finally, I, I got a call. I think it was from Sandy Nelson that asked me if I would run. And uh, kind of mentioned that, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of quick and painless. It, it doesn't take up too much of our time. And um, so I ran. Here I am. So what were your expectations? You, you thought it might take too much time, but you found that that wasn't the case. But what, what about the rest of the expectations of what you were going to have to cover or learn or things like that? Do you want to take that first or do you want me to go? Well, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew that I had a I had to devote some time, and I kind of felt like you know by giving you're getting, and I wanted to get a better insight of where my real source was going to be going, not only in its present in present, but also towards the future, and it gives me a lot of insight uh, of what's happening um, throughout the state, and with you, Dave, as the CEO, you give us more. Of, an insight of what's happening on a national level, which is good to know. And as a broker, we can bring that back and we can utilize that and uh, and learn from that. So that's pretty much what I've gotten. I didn't know really what to expect in the beginning. And, but as a newbie, you grow and you learn. So. Ed, what were your expectations? Well, I, I knew that I would be interacting with my peers, and I also knew that there would be valuable information uh, coming from the other brokers on the board that I would never know in isolation. And we kind of, 
you know, brokers, we, we are in a bubble and we're working in our companies and we're, we're not really talking to other brokers on a regular basis. So this was beautiful because you had all kinds of levels of brokers, only big, you know, big franchise brokers, uh, middle, uh, lower, uh, smaller um, uh, agent uh, with smaller agent population. And uh, it was a beautiful mix of information I thought coming from there because it, it gave me a window into what other people were doing. And what were the takeaways from your first year? What were the things that you learned that were like surprises? Like, wow, I was surprised to learn that. Well, I learned quite a bit about the different size brokerages in our market and their perspectives on where they sit. Uh, I mean, I was surprised at how MMI Realsource is really on the leading edge of MLS systems in our state. I, I didn't really know that. And I, I don't think that many agents are aware of the incredible educational tools that are available to them through MI Realsource for free. I mean, just by being on the board, I started taking classes and I kept saying to myself, why didn't I know this before? It makes my job 10 times easier. If I would have known to make a click here or a click there, I could have done this, I could have moved that. And, you know, I was really old school at that. And then that really opened my eyes. And I don't even think agents have any idea if about the educational um, potential out of MI Realsource. So as a result of sitting on the board, then you learned what was available and then you started taking advantage of it yourself personally. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> the board is one thing, but then I started to learn through the board the the different things that MI Realsource had going for it. <clears throat> and once I learned that, and then I started looking at a couple of them, I go, this is unbelievable. And then also there, there's a whole bunch of legal questions going on in our industry that were brought to my attention that I, that was under the radar for me. And I saw the potential of them being very harmful. So it gave me some insight into that uh, as well. And Hank, how about you? You know, I'm going to piggyback on what Edwin had said, you know, to, I, I personally, as a broker, until I became a board of directors, didn't really see how big and huge we are getting through the state of Michigan, through the vendoring and having all that data all in one area. So to me, it's 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 kind of nice to see that if I want to go sell property up in Home Lake or wherever it may be, then I would have access to that. The educational part of it, I've always been a proponent of sending my agents to my real source because I think they do a fabulous job. Debbie over there does a great job. Colleen, um, all the rest of the trainers, they do an outstanding job. And each time I have an agent that comes back, they go, oh my God, that was just a fabulous class. And now through COVID, my agents are really, really enjoying the fact that they could go on to my real sources uh, Facebook page and schedule a one-on-one -on -one training session with any topic that uh, they might need to, to learn, which is which helps me as a broker because it kind of helps me train them. So I think that's a big, big plus. And also, like Edwin said, the legal aspect of what's going on out there. So uh, we, we know what to watch out for down the road. Yeah, I know this year has been a crazy busy year for our staff in having to move all of our education to virtual and, and online due to the pandemic thinking outside the box and doing things like the uh, variety show that Colleen and Taylor do, 
this podcast that we're doing is new this year because it's another way to get information out uh, in this uh, pandemic that we're in. And then the new one-on-ones where we do one-on-one training, that came about because of the pandemic. So, you know, reacting to all these uh, things and, and coming up with new things has been stuff that our board of directors has been wholeheartedly uh, supporting. I'm glad to hear that you guys are taking advantage of it. And not only that, I, I really feel that you guys over at My Real Source are always proactive, not reactive. You're t- tackling on different situations and, and seeing what's best for not only the brokers, but also for the agents out uh, in this area. I commend you guys for a great job that you guys are doing over there. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. But it's also because the board of directors is uh, supportive of those initiatives. So thank you. All right. So what has this, uh, your serving on the board, has it impacted your personal real estate business? Has it helped you to do business better? Um, Well, for me, I just think I'm walking into people's front doors now with a little bit more depth of knowledge than I did before about not not only the knowledge I carry in there with me from before, but now I can I can explain a little bit more about how the MLS system works. I think most people just and agents just take it for granted that it's just a, a medium to get their listings onto, but it's way more than that. That's what's helped me uh, in my personal business. But I think uh, most, I think a lot of brokers and agents sometimes take it for granted, and it is a vehicle to get your listings in the market. But it's much more than that. And with that understanding, I, it does come up in my conversations when I'm on appointments for listing property. Yes, it hasn't negatively impacted your business because you were too busy. It's, you're still. Oh no, 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 no! It's the the time consumption. I had that way overestimated uh, when I would reject doing this. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have been on, probably still would be on the board. I mean, <laughs> but I, I just, I just, you know, you get, you know, in 40 years, you go through every cycle there is. Now, some of those cycles were so busy that you couldn't even turn around. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Right. And I don't, people don't remember, you know, the, the, those years of 2002, three, four, five, uh, and, and that, that particular chunk uh, was just too much, you know, but had, even then, if I had known what I know now, I still would have, I would have run for the board because it was, it's just so gratifying. And it's, it's, I thought it would be kind of a waste of just time and it's not. And Hank, has it helped, uh, your business? Do you feel like you're still doing uh, either as much or more uh, transactions? Oh, definitely. But as to piggyback with what Edwin said there, you know, the misconception of time, uh, how much time they have to contribute. And the way that, that we run our meetings, it's 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 not a coffee club. We're not there to just drink coffee and eat bagels and donuts. We're, we're there to get down to business. So when we're really looking at, you know, time that's spent, I mean, and especially since COVID, we've been doing the Zoom meetings. Right. Uh, we only meet once a month. So that being said, we've had it as short as 15 minutes, but I don't ever think that in the past year or so that, I've been on the board that it's ever been any longer than an hour. And most of them, I would say probably average price 40 minutes or so or less. So with that being said, you know, time-wise and people think that uh, they don't want to contribute all that time. Uh, you've got to 
give to get, you know, but uh, as far as it, what it's done for, for me as a, as a broker, I, I can bring back knowledge-based information to my agents. And again, I use it, you know, in my own book of business. I'm out there, like everyone said, he's a working broker. So am I, I'm out there, I'm pounding the street. So I see what my agents see. I feel what my agents feel. Um, and so I, I use that as, as knowledge base and, and knowledge is power in some cases. So I guess you know, one other, one other thing I would say, you know, <clears throat> you know, the board, it used to be that you operate behind a veil. I, I never knew what was going on there. I didn't see what was going on there. And now every meeting we go through the, uh, accounting report, we see the, the number of, uh, members, we see uh, the money, the money's involved and what's going out and so forth. So it does give us um, some of a bit of a handle on what's going on for the members because we're broker owned, we're representing the members. And so when something comes up and one of us, and I've seen it happens, you know, where we think that it's, you know, a waste of time, a waste of money. Uh, how can we, how can we do this better for the agents? That to me has been the best part, you know. And and Edward, you know, you brought you hit it right on uh, on the head there with, uh, you know, that we're it's we own it. We are the shareholders, right? As brokers, and and Dave, I don't know how others other MLSs out there are incorporated, but you know the benefit that we have the input opposed to being run in a different fashion. Other MLSs gives us uh, the ability to, to stay in tune and, and to give and to learn and to know what's what's going on and take it in the right direction. Yeah, we're the only MLS that's broker-owned in the state. In the nation, How are the rest? The, the rest are owned by uh, associations uh, of realtors. So we're, we're very unique. There are some other broker-owned MLSs in other states, but we're the only one in, in this state, in Michigan. Uh, and I think that's I think that's important that the brokers know that. And I don't think you know, when I became a broker, I really didn't understand that concept either. But then again, I was busy doing other things, and and as time goes by, you 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 get to 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 get more experience and more knowledge. But I think a lot of brokers out there have the misconception of how it's how it's owned by and what it's owned by. Well, I think that there's so many things that come from this. It's the fact that because we're broker owned is why our board has always been wanting to uh, uh, data share with as many people as possible, why we were totally uh, on board with uh, vendoring other MLSs, growing you know, through that, and then, of course, the financials. But it's so unique, the fact that we have broker owners that elect other broker owners to sit on this board. It's lasted for 99 years, I think, because of this governance structure. That's why it's been so successful. And even uh, this next uh, coming up cycle, we've already got people that are uh, running for the next open seats, and we have more running for it than there are seats. So that shows that it's a, a healthy, it's still healthy, it's still operational, it's still an ongoing, you know, it works. So this, mm-hmm. this way it's, you know, put together, the governance structure works. Yeah. Now, Dave, yeah, could you... I, I, you know, it'd be really good because I don't think many agents understand this, even brokers. Real short, explain to them how many, how many people, uh, how many people know, I wonder, how many different MLSs we're data sharing with and vendoring in the state right now? 
Yeah, we're vendoring seven other MLSs besides ourselves, and we're in uh, talks with a couple uh, in addition to that right now. And we uh, data share with somewhere over 17 or 18 uh, other uh, associations, and there's about 30 of them in the state. So, But from the point of view of the other real estate agents in the state, we have coverage of about 92% of the realtors in uh, the state of Michigan. So through data sharing and through the vendoring and through all the stuff we've been doing, we've got pretty good coverage. And of course, the board of directors goal has always been to get to statewide 100% you know, coverage for the state. So we're still heading in that direction. Hopefully we'll get there. Maybe we might, maybe we'll get there in the next year or so maybe to celebrate our 100th anniversary next year. Yeah. Before you spearhead at that, by the way, I don't want to, if I wanted to sell a house in Tra- an agent down in Macomb County, let's say that one has a, uh, the people in Traverse city, how, how would a broker um, interact back then be- until. Before oh, that? it was uh, very, very difficult. Not only Traverse city, but it was even uh, more difficult just within my county. I, I was in 1980. I had to belong to four different MLSs just to do business in the Romeo area in Macomb County, where I was at. I had to belong to four MLSs, so that was wow. four different, you know, MLS fees. There was four different. Had to learn four different systems. Had to. It was it, put, trying to put together a CMA was really difficult uh, challenge. That's all pain and aggravation that we've put behind us as a result of what we've done with the data sharing and vendoring and things like that. And especially back then, you didn't have all the technology you have today. Oh, that's true. Back in 1980, when we got started, I had the office I was at had a what they called a dumb terminal where the stuff that came up on the screen was just green and it was just green letters. There was no photos. There was, if you wanted to see a photo of the house, you had to wait for the MLS book to be I remember those. delivered. And they were delivered every other week. Everybody was made sure to be at the office so they could see the newest listings and see the photos. I just started throwing mine out. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> just kidding. Hey, Dave, I got a question going back to, um, we were talking about, the coverage that we have in the state. It, how does that compare with the other MLSs in our state as far as what, what are they covering or how much do they cover? Well, we've got more coverage uh, at this time than any other MLS. We've got so many data shares and so many vendor agreements that we've got more coverage than any other MLS in the state. Good. So I I won't, before we wrap up here, I'd yeah. like to ask you guys, would you recommend to another broker owner that they should uh, consider serving on the board of directors? Do you feel that it would benefit them if they, uh, you know, wanted to think about doing it? Uh, I would, uh, for my own uh, personal opinion, I would say yes, but only if you can bring something to the table. It's not worth just sitting there without contributing some insight into on how the general membership is perceiving our MLS. So I would absolutely do that because we need a diversity of opinion, but we need it from someone, you know, that actually 
is out, uh, is out there doing it every day and uh, experiencing all the difficulties that everybody else is experiencing. Otherwise, it really is pointless, I think. And just so everybody knows, the other thing that's unique about our broker-owned MLS is that we always have an annual shareholder meeting, and that's where we announce the results of the election. If anybody was interested in, if you are a member and you were interested in running, we've already had, nominating committee has already put that together, but if you were interested, you can also get on the ballot by petition. So just let us know if you're interested in that. But what happens is the week before our shareholder meeting is the election, and this year's shareholder meeting is October 22nd. Now, due to the uh, pandemic, this will be the first shareholder meeting in 99 years where it will be done virtually. So it'll be a virtual shareholder meeting. It'll be live, but it'll be a virtual shareholder meeting. We won't meet uh, face-to-face. So, so no appetizers this year? No appetizers. No, no, not, not at all. Not even pretzels. No booze. No, or right. beer. No, nothing. Well, that could, you can make that happen, Edward. Yeah, I could do that right here at my desk. Well, right. I guess you could at your desk, yes. Yeah. All right, so did you guys want to uh, share anything else with our listeners before we uh, wrap this up? I, I just wanted to say that but what I did, just so you know, when you run for this seat on the board, I emailed the membership, meaning the broker, in my in my particular category, and, and I outlined my resume, why I felt qualified for the board directors, and then I followed it up with a phone call to the ones I knew individually, where people I've had deals with and so on and so forth. So that really, I was kind of surprised, actually, that the, uh, the way uh, when you run for this board of directors seat, the way I did it is, you know, I, I mailed emailed all the brokers with my uh, resume outlining my qualifications for the board of directors. And then I followed it up with a phone call uh, to the ones I knew individually where I had deals with in the past. And actually, I was quite surprised that the respect other brokers had for me, <laughs> I wasn't even cognizant of it. They all thought, you know, after talking to them, that, that I would be uh, a good fit for the board. I always thought I was too old. Well, I think it's, yeah, we can hear you. And I think that it's very, very important that we have variety, that we have uh, lots of people from lots of different uh, demographics. Mm -hmm. I can tell you in my experience, Dave, that it's been a very positive experience. I've really have enjoyed, you know, attending these meetings. I've reached out to several other brokers that I know. I think they're planning on running. They hadn't thought about running until I actually made that phone call. Kind of like when Sandy called me, I wasn't thinking about it, but then she made me think about it. And so I did. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't regret that I did. I'm, and I'm not regretting that I'm spending, you know, less than an hour of my time in one month to contribute back. Yeah. And, I, you know, in, in the 40 years I've been doing this, I remember this very well when I would get those ballots. It was the same people running year in, year out. They just were rotating, rotating, rotating. And uh, that's it. At that point, I said, well, okay. Maybe that's the way it works. Everybody, those guys want to be on the board and just let them be there, you know, for as long as you want. But I think that we're entering an age where um, we need more juice into the it's system. It's a little bit more diverse, I think. And I think yeah. that, that next year it'll be even more diverse than, well, than last, it has been. Last year, last year uh, all uh, three that were elected were all three brand new. It had never been on the board before. 
Yeah. So I think, and the fact that we've got more uh, last year, the year before, and I think this coming year, the fact that there's going to be more people on the ballot than there is open seats is a very healthy sign. That's a good thing. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Yes. If, if, if you have to run against other, several other people, that shows how healthy and, and good the system is. And, and, the, and the thing <laughs> is, <laughs> and the thing is, is that when you are running against other people, you do have to do like Ed did. You have to either send an email or, and or make a phone call and ask yeah. them to yep. vote for you. True. Yeah. You have to make that effort. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, is there anything uh, you want to add at the very end here? Well, I, I, I'm um, I'm glad you did this podcast in a way because I think uh, it's going to open up the eyes of a lot of people that were, like I, like I was, behind the veil, didn't know what, what was going on there and didn't think I had the time to do it. So now I think they'll have a better understanding. And I'm sure that this podcast will bring someone together that will take me off the board. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I think you still have another year and a half left. Yeah. Here. I got one more year left. Yeah. After, yeah. yeah. You, you'll be that you'll be on there for the hundredth anniversary. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank uh, you guys uh, so much for taking time out of your day to do this. Uh, I think uh, Ed's right. People are going to be able to listen to this and think, wow, maybe I'll, uh, you know, run for uh, that position and uh, it won't take up too much time and it'll be a positive experience for them as well. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks guys. All right. Peace be with you. You too. And I want to thank Ed and Hank for the interview. It's not uh, every day that you get to peek behind the curtain and see what happens at a board of directors meeting. We got to talk to two new board of directors. Remember, if you want to see a place to look at the pandemic curve, you want to ask questions, you want to link to our YouTube channel, go to yourrealsource.info, and we'll talk to you guys next week. And remember, it's not the source if it's not your real source.